We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget, you can check out their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. You can listen to old shows there and actually ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you Good all. morning, Good morning, Scott. Scott. I guess the big news this week, Kathleen Wynne's uh, ho- uh, housing plan. What are your thoughts on all of this? Ooh, How does it change yeah. the rules? Is it too late? Better late than never? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, re- I really wish this had happened about 18 months ago, yeah. but better many, late than never. Many probably. have said better late than never. What it, why is that? Why is this too late? Uh, you know, it's obviously what's, it's gotten away from everybody in the sense that, you know, you're seeing a 30% increase in house prices, which isn't logical in any way. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's blatantly, there's obviously something going on beyond just other than, you know, yes, Toronto is a, a, a dynamic and an economically vibrant and it's doing mm-hmm. well. There's a lot of immigration, but at the same time, that's not a normal cycle of real estate. Yeah. And uh, so it's good news and bad news. I guess it's good news in the sense if you're trying to buy a house, you have a little sliver of hope now that there may be <laughs> some stability coming. There may be some opportunities now. Uh, and then on the other hand, you've got another group of people that are probably aren't happy. Those who are planning to sell their house, cash in and move out of yeah. the GTA. And I spoke with clients this week that had sold their home in Burlington and are looking forward to moving to Penticton where house prices are half of what they were here. And so they're pretty excited about what's been going on in real estate. And uh, Mm -hmm. so you have those people at that end of the market that are looking at cashing out and how how this might interrupt what they thought they were going to get in terms of a big paycheck on the sale of their house. Mm -hmm. Maybe not so much now. Do you think this is going to change much? Well, time will tell. You know, you look at uh, Vancouver, things kind of quieted down when, when they imposed the 15% uh, foreign buyer's tax. Mm-hmm. In fact, they went down, I think, a little bit. Uh, they seem to just kind of leveled out. Yeah. Leveling out's not a bad thing. That's kind of the, what they call a soft landing. Yeah. So that people always don't lose equity in their house. Mm-hmm. You know, you go back to uh, certain recessions. In fact, 2008, 2009, don't have to go too far back. A lot of people don't realize that the market dropped during that period of time too. Mm-hmm. But as long as like real estate, if you hold it, it usually, yeah. it's not valued every day. So nobody really knows they're up and down unless they have to sell it. And mm-hmm. then they say, wow, man, my uh, real estate dropped 10%, 15% during yeah. that period of time. It's it's not normal. I, as Andy mentioned, when you see a 30 or 33% increase in the market in one year, yeah. it, that's not normal. Yeah. Something's going on, whether it's uh, real estate practices. Mm-hmm. of having auctions set up on purpose mm-hmm. to you know get a, almost a feeding frenzy of pe- people. Yeah. I just saw somebody uh, last week. Their house was for sale for three ninety nine from their uh, uh, a parent that had passed away. Mm-hmm. They had uh, they put it lower on purpose. Mm-hmm. They had twenty bids yeah. in it, and it sold for a hundred thousand more. Yeah. And it's, you know, you that's know, what they always say, sold over the the asking. Well, if you price it low, you're going to get that. Oh, sure. That's part of it. <laughs> True. Yeah. And it, but it's, oh, we can't do that low. And, and you know, what if that guy's going to put in? They want this group to show up like an auction and you put the bids in and it's, you know, it's a hot market. Yeah. And that happened in the late 80s. Okay. That was mm-hmm. very similar to late 80s. Mm-hmm. In fact, the whole idea of, of uh, rent controls and and uh, some of the practices going on, foreign buyers was not an issue back then. Yeah. It was just... Uh, this hot real estate market. Well, then things went quiet forever. And, and kind of, if you look at the long-term results in real estate, they usually average about 1% above inflation. Mm-hmm. So they should be going up by, you know, maybe three, 4% tops a year, maybe because this is a hotter market. Um, 
you know, more people maybe might go up five or six percent a year, but certainly not 30. Mm-hmm. And so for those that benefited, they probably benefited falsely. Yeah. They shouldn't have benefited by 25% more than they, they asked for a year ago. Hmm. It's good for them. Yeah. But those that bought it at that price, yeah. you know, they're also buying at all-time highs. And uh, You brought up, a, uh, you were talking about bidding wars and this sort of thing. What I've started to notice too is you see for sale signs pop up in your neighborhood and it says for sale coming soon. Yes. Wow. Which, coming soon, what does that mean? Either it's for sale or it's not for sale, but it's just you're talking about. It's appointment sort of thing, a whole pile of people all in one day, and boom, we've got a false false price, right? Absolutely. So, you know, perhaps it is foreign buyers. I Certainly in Vancouver, it it was very prominent. You you could definitely see it was a foreign buyers. You saw a lot of empty condos. Mm -hmm. I was at a friend's house in Vancouver, and the whole building, other than maybe three lights were on. Really? um, And a condo across the the street. And this is, you know, a 21-story building. Yeah. And you look across, and you swear it was empty. But uh, the person I was with is, no, that's been sold for over a year. It's all moved in. Yeah. But nobody lived there. You know, every single... Almost every single social event that I've been to over the last several months, the topic of real estate always comes up yeah. and everybody starts talking. And, and this, the, the phrase I keep hearing is, what's your number? Yeah. What do you, and, and the what's your number is really code for, what do you think your house is worth now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> and uh, and so people start playing a game, right? And there's like, you know, what do you think your number is? And then, yeah. and, oh, yeah. I, you know, that seems low. I, you know, I think yeah. it should be higher than that. And, and. It's really what happens is, and it's a phenomenon called the wealth effect. And the wealth effect is where you look at your net worth on paper and you begin to put in a higher number, obviously, for the value of your real estate. And you start to feel good, a little bit of euphoria, right? Yeah. Wow, my net worth, you know, I still owe 400 grand on my property, yeah. but now it's worth 1.1 million or yeah. 1.3 million. And you haven't addressed anything in terms of your debt. Mm-hmm. And that that value is, of course, only on paper until you sell it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you begin to feel a bit of euphoria about it. Now, the wealth effect can have some positive uh, spin-offs in that people often f- will spend more. Mm-hmm. So that means there are other discretionary spending, whether it's eating out, whether it's uh, you know upgrading things, furniture, car, renovations. They tend to feel like they can spend more because of the wealth effect. Yeah. And so to the extent that maybe they're borrowing more to do that, that's not a great thing either. Yeah. Uh, so the wealth affects a double-edged sword. Yeah. You know, you can feel it's great when it's going up like this, but mm-hmm. suddenly on the downside where panic sets in, uh, suddenly, you know, you've got too much debt, yeah. your, your equity ratio is low now, and, uh, and that changes the dynamics in the economy as well. So, so that's the one thing about not getting ahead of this 18 months ago is that we're creating a lot of wealth effect in people's minds right mm-hmm. now. We feel like we're, we're pretty rich. We're yeah. feeling pretty good about it, which is a great feeling. It's a great topic at all the social events yeah. to discuss what's going on in real mm-hmm. estate. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm concerned about how that might end. Hmm. Yeah, and, and and I agree. It's, it probably is eighteen months too late. Yeah. This was actually discussed a couple of years ago, and they just sat on it. Yeah, nobody did anything until. Mind you, would people be willing to have done this eighteen months ago? I mean, you know, because people always uh, question when government tries to interfere in the marketplace, let mm-hmm. the free market do its thing. Mm-hmm. So, would they have had the support eighteen months ago if they would tr- if they did try to do this? 
Good question. Yeah, yeah great question. And, and until after well, something. That's where you need good leadership yeah. to be good able point. to sell it. Yeah, good point. Yeah, you do need that. And it, bad Whether it's houses or an LRT. <laughs> but <laughs> I point. digress. Okay. But bad, bad leadership <laughs> is wait till something awful happens yeah. and then make Then react. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, good point. And mm-hmm. that's basically what's gone on now. You see a 33% increase in one year. Like yeah. when people go their whole lives owning a place. That's a good point. You know, hoping yeah. to see their, you know, $300,000 place over their lifetime go to 600000 yeah. Yeah. And they're they're watching that happen over a few years now. Yeah. And I said, okay, that is, it isn't a specul. It's not a penny stock houses. No, it doesn't go up that quick, and it certainly has. So, so I'm I'm hoping that it makes it a lot easier for those millennials out there that not only can't buy a house, they can't rent one mm-hmm. because things were getting so expensive. And uh, so it, again, as Andy mentioned, gives them that sliver of hope that maybe it will cool it down. Um, ideally even if they kind of level out would be great. Mm-hmm. You know, and whether they go down in value, that's a different story, but uh, leveling out. Don't um, you think too, they have, when they, when they bring in these, these plans, that something like this, they have to pretty much do it right away because now there's concern even with rent that, that they're going to jack the rents up before they time, you know, before they get this all passed through the legislature and such. I mean, shouldn't this all, shouldn't this all be retroactive? When it's, it's almost announced? like in a budget where they yeah. say as effective at, exactly. n- at noon today, yeah. these are the yeah. rules because yeah. I can see the, the legal, the lawyer's office and the real estate agent offices in the next several weeks yeah. are going to be a flurry of activity yeah, like to see what can factory. get done. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely don't want to, you know, if you're in a lease, you're okay. You've already signed a contract yeah. yes. saying you're getting a certain amount of rent. But if you were just finishing building your place and you're going to rent it out, you don't want to be undervalued now. You want to go at the high end. Yeah. And because you can only increase it by two and a half percent a year based on the new budget. Now, you know, I, I look at two and a half percent a year if inflation just came out at 1.6. It's it's not that bad to say okay I'm I know my rent's going to go up every year mm-hmm. uh, you know you expect it to go up maybe by inflation or maybe a little bit more than inflation but for the last many years or last year for example the average rent went up by eight point three percent well you know if you're you're sitting there you're paying two thousand dollars a month rent one year and then it goes up by you know one hundred sixty dollars a month the next like it, it's a sizable increase. Yeah. And it's hard to keep up uh, without even knowing mm-hmm. um, because, and, and again, I guess a lot of people just literally had to walk away from not only where they're li- you know, trying to buy a place, but they can't even rent a place. So I think it's good that they are interfering. I'm, I'm all for not interfering yeah. normally, but. It's an exceptional situation. Exactly. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the, the GTA in January, 2014, the average house in the GTA, including Hamilton would be in there. Five hundred twenty-six thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. March of this year, average house nine hundred sixteen thousand. Yikes! Th- not three years, three months later, yeah. they've almost doubled. Yeah. Okay, I, there isn't too many investments that can do that, and it's particularly what they usually look at as a solid investment like real estate that goes up that quickly. Mm-hmm. And again, if I go back to nineteen eighty-six, I bought a place in Hamilton for sixty-five thousand. Three years later. It was worth one hundred thirty thousand. Yeah, it doubled all the houses in Hamilton. I didn't have to be a great, yeah. a great real estate uh, developer yeah. or anything else. I got lucky, bought it, and then sold it and bought a next house. Um, not a, but for, and I remember the same conversations. Oh, our kids will never be able to buy a house if they keep going up like this. Yeah, and uh, now what's happened? Everything went in a big lull, and there was a recession though. Yeah, you know, to nineteen ninety ninety two. A recession hits, and that's nothing like a good recession to kind of kill real estate prices. Mm-hmm. Um, people become unemployed. Um, all of a sudden, all that, you know, Is urgency. this the bubble? 
Is this the yeah, bubble breaking? Oh, who knows? It, this could have done it, but uh, who knows? It could be a, an increase in interest rates. It could mm. be a recession. It, it, when that pin bursts that bubble, it's amazing how many people don't want to touch real estate. Yeah, I'm not sure how far. Uh, what the other concern, obviously, I think is about is the ripple effect of what's going to happen. So as you restrict all of these uh, limitations in, say, the GTA area, well, what's the next ring? Yeah. Is it is yeah. it is it uh, Grimsby to Guelph? Yeah. What's the next ring after that? Is it yeah. London all the way to Niagara? What's the next ring after that? As mm-hmm. as if if people keep pushing out further, yeah. and the same effect starts to continue. Yeah, you know. So I, that's the one concern is where does it start? Stop. Where do you draw a line? Yeah, good point. I do. I do like uh, you know. A nice thing about um, the disadvantage of being a foreign buyer, whether you're going to buy a place in Florida, is because you don't live there, they can change the rules on you. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, you don't vote. You don't get to vote. Yeah. You have no say. And so, tax on vacant homes, great idea. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. You know, first of all, you got this neighborhood of nobody living there, and they're actually because of demand are inadvertently putting the housing prices up. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, and all they had to do is just check on uh, hydro. Yeah. How much hydro are they using? If they're not using more yeah. than say t- 20 bucks a month, they're probably not yeah. living there. Yeah. And you can find out if all If they're the- just paying their delivery charge. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the retirement. <laughs> the debt retirement, yeah. <laughs> You're all good. All right, we are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can check out the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're talking about uh, Premier Wynn's housing plan and now reverse mortgages. Yeah, they kind of go hand in hand a little bit because the one winners of this rising um, real estate market has been anybody that says, okay, I still want to live here, but I ran out of money. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a couple ways that you can create an income from your invest your house. And the one that a lot of people may have heard of is called a reverse mortgage. Yeah. Now, they're not done through the banks. There's only two companies in Canada that, that do these. And basically what a reverse mortgage is, they take the value of your house, and let's say it's a five hundred thousand for argument's sake. I know I'm dating myself because I don't think you can buy a house for five hundred thousand anymore. Mm. But for five hundred thousand, and they'll loan you up to fifty percent of the value of the house. Right. Okay. You have to be at least fifty-five years old. And the one good thing is there's no income test. Mm-hmm. So regardless if you have zero income, they'll bo- lend you that money. So in, in a five hundred thousand dollar house, you can borrow. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't be a couple ways. You can just take it all up front and here's your 250 and uh, do with what you will. Or you take so much periodically. Mm-hmm. Say you want 25000 a year right. to live on and, and over 10 years it'll all be, you know, re, you'll be finished off. Right. So it's an interesting idea. Now, I've not been a big fan of these, but there's some pros and cons about these. And the biggest one is Again, you don't have to uh, you don't have to be income tested, mm-hmm. and that's the biggest one because a lot of people, all you need to be is fifty five, mm-hmm. period. You, they are just simply appraise your house. They look at your location where you live, and they look at the current interest rates. But right now, you can get a, an equity line of credit on your house probably at prime plus a half, mm-hmm. and interest rates are two point seven, and therefore you could borrow at three point two percent. Well, the same thing in a reverse mortgage for a variable mortgage is 4.99. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it's prime plus 2.3. So a, a, quite a large difference. Yeah. Um, you know, they're making... You're losing a bit of your principal. Yeah, they're, they're, it's charging a lot of higher interest. So, you know, there's alternatives, but that's one of the biggest ones. So I looked at the scenario. Okay, one way of doing it, you can get what they call a HELOC, a home equity line of credit. Mm-hmm. And you look at that and you say, okay, I'm going to just simply apply for this. And providing you actually qualify for a home, ec- home equity line of credit, and you went and got a $250,000 equity line of credit versus a $250,000 reverse mortgage. Wow. Cheaper. Okay. Yeah, it's cheaper. So both paid 25000 a year for 10 years. What would the difference rate be is that it would end up costing. You went to sell your house after, after 10 years saying, okay, I'm going to a senior's home now. Mm-hmm. Of your 250 if on the reverse mortgage, 314 is what you have to pay back. Okay? So it works out to about $65,000 of wow. interest, hmm. plus the original loan. Right. Because it's compounding. Right. And that's <coughs> if you didn't take it as a lump sum up front. That's if you simply took 25000 every year to right. live on. Right. If you took it up front right away, the meter starts quicker. So it's really not 50%. Exactly. You, yeah. and, and you're hoping real estate prices rise and you'll have more equity in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, if you use the line of credit, on the other hand, the amount owing at the end of it would be 289000 So there's a difference of $24,200 between using a, a reverse mortgage versus a, a, an equity line of credit. Right. Okay. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't qualify for an equity line of credit. So this is a great way to stay in your house. Mm-hmm. But the first thing I would do is I would see if you qualify for an equity line of credit first. Yeah. Don't just say, hey, wow, this is great. It gets kind of the smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Great way I get to live here. It, they're sold somewhat emotionally mm-hmm. rather than just crunching the numbers. So let me ask you a question. Should you take the money all at once if you decide to do a reverse mortgage or should you take it out over time? Well, that's a good question. Um, it depends on your situation. So I want to uh, do some renovations on the house. Well, I'm going to need a lump sum of money. Yeah, yeah. So you can actually do a combination of both too. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you say, okay, I want to live here maybe for the next three years. I want to do some renovations and I want to sell it. It'll probably be worth paying f- you know, all the renovations I put into it. It would go up in value. Right. And that's actually not a bad source of getting funds to do this because you wouldn't be able to borrow money anywhere else. Right. All you're sitting there with is uh, your old age security pension, your Canada pension, maybe a little bit of uh, other income and you don't have enough money to borrow and you don't qualify for a loan. Right. It's kind of painted you in a corner. And if that's the case, 5% is looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'll pay 5%, do the renovation, and then a couple of years later sell it and, and probably get a lot more money than right. the house as is. So that, that's the one idea. They do have some higher startup fees, though, with reverse mortgages. They're about $1,600 to start up. They're not government um, registered or or guaranteed. They are private corporations. So they've been going around for a long time. I'm not too worried about that. Mm -hmm. But for the ones that do want to guarantee, um, that might be a disadvantage. Like I said, there's only there's not a lot of competition. There's only two. So I have a feeling they're pretty much in cahoots. Why is there only two, then, if so many people are interested in it? Uh, I don't think that many are interested in them yet. Uh, I think we're looking at the leading edge right now because right. you look at the baby boomers hitting mm-hmm. 67 right now and they're they're seeing this recent equity in their houses. 
and possibly have run out of money because they spent it all on their kids' education or something, okay? Mm-hmm. And they don't have enough money. Um, this is a way to stay in your house. Mm-hmm. And I do find more and more people are wanting to stay in their, their house longer. Yeah. Um, not for financial reasons, simply because they, they like the house, they like mm-hmm. the neighborhood, and this gives them that ability. So I would check that out. Now, another option, and a lot of people don't think of this, is, is why not rent out part of your house, mm-hmm. okay, if you need that extra income. So really, you look at a reverse mortgage as one idea, um, a HELOC or a line of credit based on the equity house, or renting out a part of your house and maybe getting a thousand a month, mm-hmm. and maybe that will make ends meet so you can stay in the house. Airbnb. Yeah. Boy, there was a thing on that on the news the other yeah. night. Yeah. 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 Airbnb is a great idea. You know, and there's a, you know, create a little bit of extra income. Yeah. Home sharing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Home sharing. Is yeah. That yeah. Home sharing. Yeah. And you're seeing uh, some... Some seniors, you know, if they're widowed, widowers, it's uh, sometimes they don't actually mind having the extra yeah. company. You know, sure. you know, you got separate interests, everything, mm-hmm. but at the same it's time, knowing someone's there, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some there's safety <clears throat> in that too. Yeah. So, for those listeners, they're they're thinking, okay, I'm running out of funds. I first thing I would do is I would go apply for a home equity line of credit to see how much you qualify for, and that way, if you did run out of money, at least you have this to fall back on mm-hmm. your equity line of credit. Secondly, um, maybe rent does works for you. Check that out. Mm-hmm. And as a last resort, the reverse mortgage would be the last thing I would look at. Right. Still makes sense in a lot of cases. I'm not downplaying it. It's just that there may be better alternatives. Right. You know, I, I'm just going to change tax a bit here. And I, uh, one of the things that so often as I meet with uh, a couple, they'll find out that uh, they haven't done a will. Mm-hmm. And statistics bear it out that about 50% of us don't have a formal will in place. And the question about will kits often comes up or power of attorney kits. And, you know, I, in those, the kits themselves, uh, if for example, it's just a husband and a wife, no kids, Mm -hmm. you could probably get away with something like that. If it's going to be very straightforward, just a mirror will image of each other. One dies, it goes to the other, vice versa. Um, but it, maybe if there's one child, one mm-hmm. beneficiary, you might be able to get away with a will kit. Right. I generally, I don't like them, but uh, and I don't recommend them. In fact, so I recommend seeing a professional to get yeah. them done in all cases. Mm-hmm. And usually it's the triple, it's the trifecta. You get the, the will, the power of attorney for property, mm-hmm. and the power of attorney for personal care, mm-hmm. which is about your health care directive in case of uh, you know a terminal illness or uh, end-of-life decisions. So... One of the things that I always sort of going through what happens if you die intestate, which means without a will, and in, it's different for every province. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to specifically talk about Ontario. And so the intestate succession rules in Ontario falls under the meaning of a uh, spouse. You must have a spouse in order to qualify for these rules. Mm-hmm. And a spouse is somebody who is married to each other. Uh, or have entered into a marriage that is voidable or in good faith part of that person asserting a right under the act. Basically, common law partner does not have a right under the intestate succession laws in Ontario. Hmm. So if you're in a common law relationship and your partner dies without a will, you will not have these rights that Hmm. we're talking about. There are other provisions in the act that you can apply for in terms of... um, um, uh, quality of life or living adjustments, depending on how you've you, you've spent or paid bills together. Right. Uh, but that would be a different area of the law. So, 
If you are a spouse with no children and you're survived by your spouse, then all of the money goes to your surviving spouse. So it's the same as basically having a will kit. Mm -hmm. Without it, you're basically, your money's going to go to your surviving spouse if you die. Uh, If you have children, but no spouse. So either my spouse has predeceased me or I'm divorced and I don't have a spouse anymore, but I have children. Well, in that case, my uh, entire estate would be split equally between my children. Uh, Now, what happens if one of my children dies before me? So let's say I had three children Mm -hmm. and at my death, one of my children has passed away. Well, in the law under intestate law, the, the estate would be split what they call per stirpes, meaning that it would go to the survivors, the mm-hmm. two survivors, except where the child of mine that died had children, right. if I had grandchildren. Right. So let's say the child of mine now that died had two children. Mm-hmm. I had grandchildren. We'll use a real number. So if I had a $900,000 estate, each of my three children would have received 300000 but because one of them is deceased, their 300000 is going to carry on to my two grandchildren, so right. each of the grandchildren will receive 150000 each. Right. So 300000 to my two surviving children, 150000 each to my grandchildren, two grandchildren in mm-hmm. that case. So that's dying. What happens if there aren't any kids? <laughs> oh, I'm getting spouse? to that. Okay. I don't want to get ahead of you there. <laughs> you always go to the end of the book I know, first. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go to the pictures. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Um, so I, I, if you have, sorry, the question, uh, say that again. What, did what, you ask what happens if, uh, your children predecease you, yes, but there are no children. kids. Right. So in that case, the 900,000, I would have had, th- I had three children. Mm-hmm. They would have received 300,000 each. Mm-hmm. One of them dies. They had no children, no grandchildren. And, uh, so the, the 900,000 would be split equally between the two, between the two. One Even more. if they were married, et cetera. That was my next question. Yeah. What happens if you're the child that passed away before you uh, was Had married? Been married. No. Doesn't go to their spouse? No. Oh, Correct. Okay. Yeah. Even if they're married? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, now, so let's say that was, in this case, I had no spouse mm-hmm. in that whole example. Right. The next example, uh, my spouse and I are alive. We have three children. Uh, I die and my spouse survives me, and my three children survive me. And remember, one of them has two grand, I have two right. grandkids on one of them. Right. So what happens now? Well, with my spouse alive, the spouse, my spouse will get the first $200,000 out of the estate. Mm-hmm. Now, this number was created a long time ago before house prices were $2 million. So, you know, that number might change, but it, it hasn't changed in years. So my $900,000 estate, the first $200,000 goes to my surviving spouse. Mm-hmm. Remember, so I have no will and I have nothing on paper to anything else. Right. The Ontario government is doing this based on the rules of succession. Right. 200000 goes to my spouse. That leaves 700000 left over. Mm-hmm. Who gets that? Uh, one third, one third goes to my spouse and the remaining two thirds goes to my three children. Mm-hmm. All right. So now my, there was 700,000 left over of my 900,000. So my spouse gets 233. Yeah. So my spouse has now received 433,000 of my $900,000 estate. Right. My three children 
would each receive a third, a third, a third of the remaining two thirds, mm-hmm. just to make this really confusing. Right, right, right. So they would each get one hundred and fifty-six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. All right, and again, the rules would apply that if my one of my children had predeceased right. and they had grandchildren, mm-hmm. their share continues on to their issue right. uh, per stirpes. So they, each grandchild would have received half of the one hundred and fifty-six, seventy-eight thousand each. Right. So just to recap. I die, I don't have a will, I have a spouse, and I have three children and two grandchildren by one of them. Uh, my spouse receives 433000 of my $900,000 estate. Each of my three children, if alive, receive 156000 And if one of them had deceased with children, it goes to those grandkids evenly, split up. And if they didn't have grandchildren, then that amount would have been divided between the two surviving children. Do most just assume it would all go to the spouse? They do. They do. So yeah. people are freaked out when yeah. they hear, we're going to be writing a check for 156000 to, to each of the three kids, and yeah. the kids are going to end up getting more of your estate than your the, spouse, the, the more spouse. than half. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> so then the, the final scenario is... Um, I die, I have uh, no children, and I have no spouse, and I have no will. What happens then? The money would go to my mother and father. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to ask me, what if my mother and father are deceased? Mm-hmm. What happens then? The next level down under section, subsection 47.4 of the Ontario Succession Law Reform Act says that my siblings surviving me will now receive it equally. So if I have a brother and a sister, they would get 50% each. Mm -hmm. And if there are no siblings surviving, then they go beyond into nieces, nephews, and cousins. Find anyone who's left alive. Anybody who's left alive. It's called the next of kin rule. And uh, you will get an equal degree based on the the level of distance from Mm me. (laughs) Yikes. You can see why the will kits. Need a will. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, having said that, with um, a lot of people's assets joint, and in, uh, for example, in RSPs where there's beneficiaries, right. or in tax-free savings accounts now where there's beneficiaries, that, they, that does circumstan- circumvent the will. Mm-hmm. Um, in a joint ownership, it go to the other joint owner. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, that person has to have your will. Yeah. So if you're married, um, it's most p- times they'll go to the husband or the wife, and then... If they don't get a will, same idea as Andy just said. There's one other scenario we'll talk about when we come back is what happens when both spouses die in a common accident? Who's deemed to have died first and what happens in terms of their will? Holy smokes. Uh, We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc., 905-529-7165, or check out the website andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. And don't forget the website, andyanddon.com. You can check out old shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Very positive show today, talking about death and taxes wow. and uh, all sorts of things, all sorts of fun things. Everything negative. It yeah. is the end of April here, you know, tax Negative time. news sells, doesn't it? Oh, that's right. That's right. It's tax time soon. It's all bad news. So, yeah. It kind of gets you to the kind of morbid thinking, well, what if I died? At least I don't have to pay much more tax. That's a good point. Yeah. Get out just in time. Before we finish last time, I said, I'm going to, I just want to share with you one final part of this is what happens when two people die at the same time, but it's unclear 
as to who died first. Do they actually try to determine that if there is an they accident like do. that? Yeah. They, they actually try to determine who? Most wills give you a great sort of, if you have a will, yeah. most wills will say a 30-day period. Right. So it's pretty, you got lots of time to figure out you know, right. if somebody survives right. somebody else. Right. But uh, so what happens is there's basically two sets of rules, and it depends on which province you live in. The two sets of rules are, number one, that each beneficiary is deemed to have predeceased the other. Mm-hmm. Each beneficiary is deemed to have predeceased the other. Okay, that's rule, confusing. Rule number yeah. two is the, is seniority. Rule number two is seniority, meaning the younger person is deemed to have survived the older. Oh. The younger person is deemed to survive the older. Number two is out. That's not in Ontario. Right. In Ontario, it's Figures. number one. We'd be the confusing one. In Ontario, <laughs> under Section 215 of the Insurance Act, Part 4 of the Succession Law Reform Act, with respect to all types of property, the default rule of survivorship is that each beneficiary is deemed to have predeceased the other. So now what does that mean? Let's put that into yeah. real terms. It means there's a tie. So yeah. exactly. <laughs> it means that you <laughs> bring out the paddles. <laughs> Nobody won. <laughs> bring me back. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's give you an example. So Juan is 27 and Maria's 28 and each of them have RSPs and TFSAs and they own an investment account in joint ownership, joint tenancy. Uh, in a bizarre gardening accident, they are killed simultaneously and it is impossible to determine which of them died first. A gardening accident? Yeah, all right, all right. One. <laughs> all right, yep. Juan's will says that if Maria survives him, she gets all his assets. But otherwise, they go to Juan's mother, Rita. Hmm. Maria's will says that if Juan survives her, he gets all her assets, but otherwise... They are to go to Maria's brother, Enrique. Right. If they live in a jurisdiction in Ontario where each predeceased the other rule, then here's what happens. For the purposes of Juan's will, Maria will be deemed to have died first. And so Juan's assets will go to Juan's mother, Rita. And for the purposes of Maria's will, Juan will be determined to, to deemed to have died first. So Maria's assets will go to her brother, Enrique. Now that leaves the investment account. And the investment account will deem to have been held as tenants in common, meaning that Juan's half interest in it will go to his mother, Rita, Hmm. and Maria's half interest will go to her brother, Enrique. So it kind of makes sense at the end of the day that that's kind of what happened. Neither of them survived. So what did their will say? But it is very much spelled out in, again, in Ontario, how that would be. And it's clearly each beneficiary is deemed to have predeceased the other. And I'm just wondering about the gardening accident, personally. <laughs> I, do they both step on a rake at the same time? <laughs> backed over. Was back, a weed the whack- backed over. Was a weed whacker involved? Yeah. I mean, who knows? But in the case of where, in the provinces where it's based on age, whichever one's younger or older, what about in scenarios where women outlive men? Because women, you generally live longer than men do. Yeah, so does yeah. that play a factor so in they're, this? So they're considering, this is when people uh, have deemed to have died at the same time or survived by a short period of time. Right. And so in these cases, uh, you know, the, the scenario would be, you know, they died maybe two days apart or right. something like that. Right. And, or it's impossible to determine when exactly they died, right. then it would be the younger person was deemed to have survived the older. And, and this doesn't is, matter, it doesn't matter male or female. So whoever the younger part, the younger spouse was died uh, last. And again, this is if you That's did outside not have of Ontario. Right. This is if you did not have a will anyway. This is if you have a will. Oh, yeah. have a will. Okay. Because yeah. like and you said, unclear. most of the time they have a 30 day 
rule anyway. So yeah. They don't actually have to die within and say in a, a sorry and has no will. Has yes, no will. I'm yes. sorry, has yeah. no will. Okay. Yeah. And and if you did have a will, the 30 day period deals with it within the will. Yeah, it makes it very straightforward and just another reason why to get a will. And yeah. it, and it's interesting, you know, you look at all the things that you'll spend money on in your life. And let's say it's $500. Mm-hmm. In fact, I talked to a lawyer in Burlington and it was power of attorney wills everything was about $750. Mm-hmm. And I know it's a lot of money. But it's it's a one time cost. Yeah, it's like insurance. You yeah. have to have it. What yeah. happens if? Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's good for a long time. Yeah. Now, just a reminder, remind listeners, we're not lawyers. No. We talk about these in general, and in terms of guidance and what you should be talking about when you speak to a professional. So I think mm-hmm. that's important just to reiterate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and the will kits, yes, they work. And and again, depending on your situation. But I I saw two clients last week. Again, assets weren't that large yet, because they're young, and they had um, both of them. Both cases had a a less than a year old child mm-hmm. and about a two year old child. Mm-hmm. So very close uh, ages. They thought they didn't need a will. Right. And the question right then is what about guardianship? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, it's even more important exactly. to have kids. Because they, you know, it, there's no religious reason. There, it's not, uh, oh, my godfather. No, mm-hmm. no, they, they don't go by that. No. And if you want to start a lot of arguments, who gets the kids? Yeah. And then the life insurance. Often or who goes, wants the kids. Who wants the kids. Yeah. And this is where you want to have that conversation. That's very truthful. Yeah. You know, you look at, oh, I have a really busy schedule. We both work. You know, as yeah. much as I, I'd love to have your kids, it wouldn't fit in our life. Yeah. But others would say, oh, that, thanks for the honor. That'd be great. I'd be more than happy to. Yeah. Uh, and so point. the money that would go into trust for those kids, and they then would get it at age 18 mm-hmm. without a will. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the wills will dictate the ages. So mm-hmm. I say you have enough money to raise these kids mm-hmm. and uh, they have all they have access to the money say at age 25 mm-hmm. but legally if you don't have a will it would be age 18 right. we figured we figured we'd have to pay people to take our kids so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got all the money <laughs> and the kids that's right or with that there might be an added incentive <laughs> that's right. they come with money you know <laughs> oh okay well maybe i will not a bad deal all right we are and you know it's we're joking about this discussion but yeah. it's very it's, it's a difficult discussion to have isn't it, it it's can, difficult it for can, us now it can freeze up the whole process yeah. and that's where where we try to help people kind of and, guide and through. And guardianship is big. And, and a lot of people don't think of that. They yeah. have no assets, but they're not thinking of the kids. They're the always kids, thinking yeah. about money when they're doing wills. Mm-hmm. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message, 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Talking about tax time. Tax deadline's oh, coming up. coming up, tw- isn't it? 22nd today. Mm-hmm. And uh, a week tomorrow is the 30th of April, mm-hmm. which is the last day to file your income tax. Mm-hmm. Don't we get till Monday? That was so, uh, just about oh, to ask you, Andy, if you knew. <laughs> uh, you know, it's with so many people e-filing their taxes or yeah. online, rather, you don't even think about the, the tax deadline as much because you can do it as soon as anytime. you hit send. Yeah, yeah, yeah hit yeah, the send button. Yeah. But I have a feeling for those people mailing their tax return, and again, don't quote me on this, I would think normally they put it to the next day, mm-hmm. um, which would be May 1st. Right. Listen, I paper file. Now that might sound ar- archaic. Uh, you got the pencil going, you're down but there. No, it's all yeah. done on the computer, yeah. and then I print off all it. the pages, put it into a nice big thick envelope, <laughs> and I send it off to CRA for them to deal with. Because inevitably, at some point in my life, and they have already, they'll ask for a piece of paper from me. Yeah. And now it's September. Yeah. And I have to go back and dig through it, find the piece of paper, get it to the right person. I just kindly respond to them. 
I sent you every single piece of paper you need. It was in the original file. Ah, <laughs> there you go. Hmm. With a smile on your face. With a smile on the face. One day they're going to send it back to me, say, <laughs> return to sender. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest, I also paper file and the same reason. I... You know, it's, it's, I got enough pages, pages in mine and it is. Does that mean you would send all your receipts and stuff? All, all, all the, all the T-slips. Now they do get copies of the T-slips, but charitable receipts are something they ask for. Mm -hmm. Um, and and certainly investments, um, they look for adjusted cost basis sometimes or interest on investment loans or things such as that, that's a little out of the ordinary and they will ask for an audit. But uh, I did get asked last year, as a matter of fact, and it was originally, it was sent in their documents and I said it was on. Uh, it was sent mm-hmm. and uh, they went and found it and it says, thank you. Wow. So, but for the average taxpayer out there, T4, maybe an RSP slip, some income slips, it's not a, it's not that no, tough. No, Okay. And if you're getting more complicated, but what happens if you miss? What happens if all of a sudden you're on vacation and you got back on May the 2nd and you thought, mm-hmm. oh my God, I forgot my void income tax this year. Mm-hmm. What's the penalty? And if you're getting money back, there is no penalty. Right. Okay. There's no penalties if they owe you. Right. If, on the other hand, if uh, if you owe them, it is 5% of the outstanding balance. Mm-hmm. So if you owed $1,000 in income tax, you would have a $50 penalty right out of the gate. Right. Okay. So if even if you paid one day late, you owe 50 bucks. Then on top of that, it's a 1% per month penalty on top of that, mm-hmm. which would be another $10 per month. Mm-hmm. And they'll let that go on for a maximum of 12 months for a year. Um, if this is not your first time late, mm. they could be a 2% per month. Yeah, if you're a chronic would, late filer. They could mm. even go to a 4% per month late. But none of this matters if you don't owe the money. If you're getting a refund, none of this applies. Okay. Okay. So they do have chronic late filers yeah. uh, rules and they have to pay higher penalties because right. obviously they, they're getting tired of having to go after them. Okay. Right. Um, then on top of that, they do charge interest. Now the interest rate isn't all that bad. It's only 5%. Mm-hmm. And I believe they're paying 3% if they owe you and they haven't paid it by a certain time. Right. So I look at the options. <clears throat> if you're sitting there and you're a student and I used to owe tax, um, as a student and, uh, you know, just based on my jobs and so forth. Well, I had no money in April. Yeah. Okay. My, my, it was finished. Yeah. And so I would file me my income tax return with no money. Mm-hmm. You don't have to send any money. You simply have to file it. Ah. Okay. And, and okay, they, they acknowledge it. Then they send you the bill. Well, the bill on $1,000 is peanuts. It worked out to four, uh, $4.17 mm. for a month yeah. on $1,000. So not a big deal um, to file late, uh, to file on time with no money. Right. Just so it's know. better to at least file something than Absolutely. nothing at all. If yeah. you owe, yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. the difference would have been if you owed a thousand dollars and you paid literally the month later, you'd owe the fifty, um, and you may ch- get charged the one month penalty on top of that plus the interest. It works out for doing nothing. Yeah, uh, a fair bit of money, uh, not a ton, but we're still talking say sixty-eight dollars mm-hmm. versus four dollars. Yeah, and, and you're only a day difference. Mm-hmm. So definitely, even but on the same token, if you don't. If you are getting a refund, it still makes sense to file because what happens, and Andy kind of alluded to it, next thing you know, it's September. Yeah. And you might have misplaced slips by now. In fact, you're starting to get slips for the new year, mm-hmm. the current year. And I've had some people not file for a few years. And and the longer they go, 
the more anxiety it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It only gets more fun the longer you leave oh, it. You, they don't, you don't have an accurate RSP limit anymore yeah. because they don't know what your earned income was. So you're guessing on RSP contributions. It's, it's really, and give, I know you may be qualified to do it yourself. Give it to an accountant, get it done. Yeah. It's not worth it. It, it honestly isn't. If you could do it yourself, you, you would have. And, yeah. and, and most times I have this one client that comes to mind and he waited quite a long time. He had it all on his tax program. He could have done it any time. Mm-hmm. Just, just push, push, send. Yeah. Never just bothered. Just send. Just never yeah, did it. Yeah. And finally, after many years, he he finally went ahead with it. Now the other one to file, which often people forget, is filing for your kids. And so, if you have a, a 16-year-old, a 17-year-old, an 18-year-old, and they don't make much money, you know they're not paying tax. They only may have made a couple thousand. Well, one thing is any tax they did pay off whatever employer, they'll, they'll get that money back. back. Yeah, good point. The second, even larger area, is you'll get RSP room. So even on $1,000, you get 18% of contribution room. Well, they don't need the RSPs at this stage. No. But what they do, they get carried forward for all, when you do get a so-called real job. Mm-hmm. And so on $1,000, you get $180 of RSP room. Mm-hmm. On a $10,000 job, you get 1800 of RSP room. And it's quite handy. So now you finally out of university or college or whatever, land your real job, you're making 65000 a year, and you, you're sitting there with five or $6,000 of RSP room, which you can then put into the RSP, perhaps use it for the home buyers mm-hmm. because yeah, you had yeah. the RSP room. Yeah. And so definitely I would recommend not only file you for yourselves on time, but also for your kids. All right, we have been planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can check out their website at andyanddon.com, all one word, andyanddon.com, or call 905-529-7165 and leave a message. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great week. Uh, you Thanks, Scott.